to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. I'm Sharon Kleiner. The Power of Water, but Water Life Science. As I've said to you many years ago, I decided to have a radio show to be the messenger of what is so important for your everyday health, but something that we've all forgotten is how powerful the water is in our life and educate us every day to remind us with the journey of our lives is living in water. It is vital to us. That W-A-T-E-R word that was invented so far long ago for us to recognize the word to connect with water. The earth began with that blue, I call it a blue ribbon around the earth, a blue ring. And no rain came down for a long time, for millions of years. All of a sudden, the solar system and the earth did something that was just magic. A drip of water came out of that blue ribbon, like that blue ring. As it began to drip down with evaporation of water coming from that ring of water, it came down on the planet Earth, and it developed life in time. But remember, all life is water. Without water, you have no life. And this is what I keep reminding you so you don't forget And I hope all the scientists and all the scholars and the physicians that listen to my show and individuals who listen to this show are reminded every day, every time they listen to this show, to be reminded every day, without water, you have no life. Earth made it possible with nature for the mother to carry you in the water of her womb a pocket of water. That baby nourished for all those months to get a percentage of water per organ of life. That organ of life, as I've reminded you, the organ of life is the brain, is 80 to 85% water, lungs, 75 to 80% water, your heart, 75 to 80 your bones, 20 to 25. Your, your kidneys, 80 to 85. Teeth, 8 to 10%. Skin, 70 to 75%. Blood, 50%. And what I've been teaching you is the surface of your eyes are 99% facing the world and water. We're made up of water. Now, as doctors have been teaching us as scientists that come on the show, is that when that baby is born and that baby comes to that atmosphere of life, that atmosphere is water. 
It's the water vapor that keeps you alive every moment of the day. If you didn't have water, and, and you could stand in a closet. You could stand out on in a desert. You could stand anywhere in life. You could be anywhere in your life. But if you didn't have the water and the atmosphere, you would die. You wouldn't be living. Your eyes, because they're 99% water, are connected to the brain and the womb at the same breath of moment with the brain. Connected. All the rest of those organs of life begin to develop for your life to begin. Think about it. Why water is so important. We've got to make sure that everybody out there is drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water a day and nothing in it, just plain water. Don't add anything to it and don't just sip it. It has to be, you have to drink it because the water has to absorb it all at once. It can't be just sipping. We must learn that the earth is no different than our living life as humans. It thrives on water too, or it won't live. What is soil? Soil is because the water in the soil is, is living with the atmosphere. If you don't have healthy soil, you're not going to have a healthy atmosphere. It can't be just sand. It has to be soil. So remember this show is your journey and your mission that we're all going to be members of long-term, of why that water crisis all over the world. We get all these issues in our life that are, we're forgetting about what we need to prioritize on our lives for long-term generations for millions of years to come to have the word eternity in our lives. It's going to be each, uh, to each of us and become that lifetime membership of making sure the world has the water necessary for people to be healthy. We need to find those cures for those diseases and symptoms. We haven't studied the word evaporation. We evaporate from the moment we're born and we entered into that air and we're no longer in the mother's womb. We begin an evaporation to severe dehydration to life to death. What are our diseases? What are the cure? What is the cures to them? Studying that evaporation and studying that as scientists are teaching us, we're like an electric rod living electrically with the atmosphere. We've got to study that. And that's what we do on the show with our scientists, our scholars that come in with us. Now, today we have a really unusual show, and we're going to learn a lot about what you've been learning about out there more and more about what's going on on the Internet. We have Mei Ling Fung, who's going to be with us today, who really has a background, and she's the co-founder of People-Centered Internet. Mei Ling Fung will discuss how to maintain a global network of positive change agents with our Internet, our connections with the world. She knows so much, I know so little. We're going to learn a lot. And I'm really excited about that because it's been a a really exciting, serious topic with the world out there and what is going on. And she will teach us. 
I'm going to, we're going to listen to our sponsor first, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only humidifying method to humidify the eyes that are 99% water. What is dry eye? Dry means loss of water, whether it be dry skin, dry eye, the dry pavement, it means lack of water. Dry eye, eye mist, nature's tears eye mist is the only method with a tissue culture grade of water to humidify, to mist your eyes every day for dry eye that causes those complaints that do lead to future vision impairment and to blindness. Take it serious. Blindness is out of control. We will listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist for dry eye, and we'll be back with Mei Min Fung. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Today I want to introduce Mei Ling Feng. Mei Ling Ooh. is a technology pioneer working to ensure that technology works for humanity. In 1989, she was part of a two-person Skunk Works team that developed OASIS, the first customer relationship management system. She later served as social technical lead for the U.S. Department of Defense Federal Health and Futures Initiative. In 2015, she joined the father of the Internet, Vint Cerf, to co-found the People-Centered Internet. Today, we will learn a lot. May Lynn, are you with us? Yes, hello. I'm happy to be on, Hello, Sharon. how are you? Very good. It's, how uh, are you it's today? A nice day here. It's a nice day here in Palo Alto, and I'm feeling 
button fit. <laughs> well, we're on the West Coast together. I'm in Oregon. I didn't know if you knew this show comes out of Oregon, in Southern Oregon. Well, that's wonderful. And we've been, May then, we've been on for over 11 years, almost 12 years. And we're really looking forward to you educating us today with your background. Um, tell us a little bit about your life and then get us to where you were going to educate us today about your technology. But tell us about how you got to this. Well, I was um, 14 years old standing in the National Library in Singapore where I grew up. And I had just re- read 1984, the George Orwell book, and Brave New World, um, and I really understood that in my lifetime, things were going to change drastically, and, and they certainly have. I really felt that humanity would face a crossroad, that we could either be controlled by, um, by, by, by strong leaders um, using technology to control us, or, in fact, everybody would have a chance to realize their potential and uh, make the life that they want to live. And I, it was just very clear to me that that choice was going to happen in my lifetime. And I was a bright young girl, and I just thought, I'm smart enough. I'm going to keep up with this so that when it comes to the moment, which we've reached now in 2018, that we need to raise the flag, that we want the Internet and technology to make people's lives happy and joyful and full of promise and future generations to enjoy the same. And that is completely possible, but we have to fight for that right. So that's how I got here. And um, from Singapore, I went to Australia and came to the U.S and um, worked at Intel and then Oracle, where I helped to design the very first CRM technology. Um, so you began to focus then into the technology. Uh, narrow that in for me so I'll understand when you're talking to myself and the audience today to educate us. You began to focus into a direction of technology uh, protecting the vulnerable of people out there. And then, then you became, and correct me if I'm wrong, you became an educator of what people can do to learn more. And then you involved yourself with the father of Internet. And explain that to us, how that happened. When you got involved with uh, uh, Vent Surf, uh, I guess that's his name, the Tell us about the father of the Internet. I never had heard of who is the father of the Internet, Maylin. Well, in 1974, um, Vince Surf, my co-founder, and Bob Kahn uh, wrote the specification that underlies the Internet today. That specification allows messages to be transmitted between computers and forwarded on. So you no longer um, are dependent on the telephone system, but, but you're now messages are sent by networks of computers all over the world. Each of them receives the messages, and then they send it on to, to the next computer, which brings it closer to its destination. So that um, insight that that was possible 
that specification was written uh, here in Palo Alto. Um, Bob Kahn and Vince Cerf wrote that. And I know it was 1974 because I actually organized a 40th anniversary of that moment um, here in Palo Alto. And what that was stunning to me, um, people from all over the world came, including the widow and daughter of the Moscow State University professor who decided that he didn't care how much trouble he was going to get into, but he was going to bring the Internet to Russia. And all the uh, different academic institutions, individuals made the decision that this technology was so promising, their institution had to be part of this global network. Um, somebody when had they to decided invent- to, excuse me for interrupting, when they decided oh, to do the global networking and the way they did it, were you involved at that time yet, or you came later? No, I came later. I came later. Okay. I met Vint when he, um, he's, Vint, Vint Surf is the chief internet evangelist at Google. He's the vice president there. And I mm-hmm. really wanted to make sure that the original dreams and hopes of the internet, all the people who had sacrificed to make it be possible, um, could continue. And so um, I met him through an initiative he founded called Innovation for Jobs. He wanted to make sure that innovations made sure that people still had good ways of earning income. And I was part of that mm-hmm. founding team. Later on, I realized I wanted to spin off into this concept of people-centered internet because it was very important, not just for jobs, but for for families and for everyday life. Now, I'm going to ask you, why did they call him the father of the Internet? When the Internet, uh, did he have a relationship with the Stern Group in Switzerland, who, uh, after World Uh, War II, explain, can you educate me about that? Of course, of course. So Tim, Tim Berners-Lee was at CERN, the high-energy physics lab in Switzerland. Um, he built on the original Internet protocols. So something had to sort of send the messages all around, and that was um, the TCP IP specification allowed for the sending of messages. Tim Berners-Lee actually created the World Wide Web which sits on that messaging system. So so think that first you've got to get the messages around the world. The World Wide Web gives a way to show them to each person. In the past, it was just text. It was just words. Tim Berners-Lee came up with the idea of actually showing it visually, and the World Wide Web is the way that um, it's now displayed to to ordinary people, so you don't have to be a computer programmer to be connected to the internet. Tim Berners-Lee made that breakthrough. So he did he, that. Is he the? Is he the? Uh, is he the one who, and with technology, began to implement the algorithm coding for people to be able to connect like that with their computers, oh. the internet throughout the world? Is he the one that did that? Tim Berners-Lee did how it's displayed. 
he did that in the early 90s. That was built on the protocols, the, the messaging system of the Internet that was invented in the mid-70s. So it was a series of steps that took a couple of decades. The first step was being able to send messages around the world. The second step, 20 years later with Jim Berners-Lee, was to display those messages in, um, in ways that you didn't need to be a programmer to, to read. So he was there with, with, is that why Palo Alto has like the hub of the world? Um, I've been in Hangzhou where, in, where uh, that's kind of like the Palo Alto of China. Uh, mm. with people there and what they do. But is that why Palo Alto is kind of like the hub of the world for all this uh, computer, internet technology? There's actually many reasons that Palo Alto is, is the hub, but the biggest reason is because it's right outside Stanford University. Stanford University as a, as a sort of was the major West Coast University and it was created to, to compete with uh, Harvard on the East Coast. And in the, the technology hub started with uh, a Nobel Prize winner called Shockley. And he grew up in uh, Palo Alto and, and he brought the, the first semiconductor companies, uh, the chips, computer chips, uh, that he he invented the, the radio transmitter, and he created a, a company which brought some really very stunningly brilliant, mostly men, to stand around here. Now, was he, was he born here. in America? May Lynn, was he born in America? Shockley was born in America. Yes, and. Okay. Um, one of the one of the men that he did attract here was Andy Grove, Andrew Grove, who became president of Intel. Andy Grove was born in Hungary, and he came over as a poor student. But he came over to join Shockley. Then uh, a group of them, they called them the Fairchild Eight, created Fairchild Semiconductor because Shockley was such a terrible man to work for. Um, and then they created Fairchild Semiconductor. And then later on, more uh, more of them created more semiconductor companies. So the, the Palo Alto and the Silicon Valley have a long history of innovation, um, and it all happened around Stanford University and the Berkeley University, UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. the University of California at Berkeley. I think having the academic talent around allowed more and more breakthroughs to happen in technology around here. And then later, um, uh, in 1974, the TCPIP specification uh, laid the basis for the Internet. To, to Is that occur. why the founder of Facebook, he started out at Harvard, but didn't he end up at Palo Alto, too? Yes, he came over here. I think he was a junior. All, all of them. I he, think all of them are did. in Palo Alto now, aren't they? Yes. In fact, um, the zip code that I live in, 94301, um, contributes only, almost a billion dollars in tax revenue to the state of California because 
so many of the founders live here. Yeah. Yeah, and Stephen Jobs. Uh, now, yeah. did Stephen Jobs begin at Harvard too, or did he begin in Palo Alto? Um, he lived in Cupertino, um, but he did move here. Back when he was alive, he used to walk in front of my house on his way uh-huh. to Whole Foods. So he used to get his wheatgrass drinks. Um, he, he lived about. Ten, he used to live ten, ten blocks further south, and he he was famous for his walks. He always walked, and he used to walk down. Emerson Street down to Whole Foods. Now, real quickly before I forget, Andy Grove. Yeah. What company did Andy Grove? What, what company was he with? Intel. Intel. That's right. And and I worked I worked um, at Intel, um, and we were all in the same building. What Andy Grove did at Intel really led the basis for what CRM, customer relationship management, uh, made possible. Uh, what I, I was doing forecasting at Intel under Andy Grove. I was working on the geographic profit and loss for uh, Intel profit and loss statement. Um, and the, um, the way that Andy organized it was so brilliant. He, he took Intel from... Uh, to to from two percent gross margins to forty percent margins, and he did that by just making sure it was a very tightly run company, and everybody knew how to coordinate with everybody else. And I took that way of thinking and brought it over to Oracle, and that was the basis for how CRM got invented. I really took Andy Gross forecasting methods and took them um, to Oracle and worked with. Uh, computer programmer to create the system for Oracle sales and marketing teams. Uh, Oracle had a problem, uh, which was they had they were selling to the Fortune 500, and it was okay to take a lot of time to sell to such big companies because the sale was very big in the hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. Um, but when you want to sell to small and medium-sized enterprises, you have to be much Matter about who you spend time with and who you work with, how how you help to close the sale, and uh, we took Andy Grove's methods and uh, applied them inside Oracle, and that's how Oracle became uh, a, a very well-known relational database company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when you became involved, you found a fascination with a technology to be part of this. Ex- educate our audience. What's your fascination has been with well, technology? My first, my first oh, and Maylene, before I forget, yes. talk a little closer to your, I can't hear you very well. Okay, okay. Um, my first job was as a computer programmer, so I knew how to make computers uh, organize information and and so right from the very first job that I had, I knew that computers could be used to organize information in ways that make people um, more effective. We don't have to remember all kinds of things. The computer can do the re- remembering for it and present the information when we need it. 
So my fascination was how do we organize the information we need to run our businesses and our homes, uh, our, organize all the things that we do in such a way that um, we can concentrate on the, on the fun human stuff and the computers can do the, um, the boring humdrum stuff. Well, can we call it, can we call it programming? Well, yeah, you can program computers to support humans so that we can have we more go. fun. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. Yeah, and, I think the audience that, would understand what you were fascinated with, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were so fascinated, and I'm going to call it into the technology of programming, and that yes. became your f- future, is the programming uh, for people to understand and communicate with the programming. Am I right? Well, there's, there's two parts of programming. Programming can be thought of as just writing the code to get things done. And the other part of programming is how do you design the system that, that the program has to follow to get things right. done? And, right. and my, my work has always been in the, in the design and the architecture of how do you, how do you design um, systems that can be programmed so that we as humans have an easier time of managing all the information we have to manage? There we go. That's what I was after. Yeah. Yes. So You're how far has that come Karen. since you, you. you started out? How, 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 well, how far have people come? I think we've come a long way. I think the applications that we have on our phones really um, help us in so many ways. Just, for example, you know, finding your way. You've now got GPS and maps that, that tell you turn right here, turn left here, and you can get to your location. There's, I think we've come a long way in that kind of um, uh, map mapping systems and uh, small applications, but in terms of especially helping people with things that happen not at work, but at their homes, I don't think, I think we have a long way to go. A good example of this is the Roomba, the, the automatic vacuuming thing. There should be many more applications like that, which allow, uh, you know, the, the vacuuming to be done by a robot, not by people, so that we can spend our time, um, you know, with friends and cooking and, and having fun and not uh, vacuuming every day. Um, Maylin, I'm is, going to, t- we have to take one break only. We're going to take a break. Don't you go anywhere. Okay. And you're going to okay, open I'm up here. our imaginations with what you're thinking with your technology and what your focus is. Don't go anywhere. Okay. You're a good educator. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. What just a mist is our sponsor. Did you know that your surface of your eye is 99% water? What is the word dry? It means lack of water. What causes vision impairment is dry eye, and it does lead to blindness, and blindness is out of control. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only worldwide supplement to supplement with just a mist 
of 100% tissue culture grade water to supplement your complaints, your discomfort, and hopefully maintain that 99% water that is over-evaporating in your eyes. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back with Maylin and get this education is really fascinating. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Maylin, thank you for waiting here. Um, we were talking about a technology that you said that we need to start thinking in our homes that uh, we should be able to program on our computer how our with our home being having to be vacuumed? Could you explain that what you're what you're thinking and the technology you think you you focus with? Um, that that technology is one that already exists. We don't have to program it on a computer. You can buy a machine called a Roomba R O O M B A, and it, okay. you just plug it in and it will vacuum without needing you. It goes around and finds out where the tables are and the chairs and the vacuums around them. Uh, it just does this on its own. You don't have to hover around it. You don't have to. You just set it off and you come back three hours later and your house is vacuumed. So you're thinking with the technology, with the computer, the internet is. Um, it says on here too that you study the technology where people are um, to protect the vulnerable and uh, to work with the the Internet for everybody to be able to be able to understand how to use the Internet for what they need. Yes. So could you educate us about what, what some of the new visions have been? What have you been working on? Yes. Um, 
for example, for health, for keeping healthy, uh, we could be connected by our phones uh, together so that we know um, better how to keep ourselves healthy um, and so that we don't even fall sick. Um, We could be understanding better what are the... uh, what, what I call leading indicators uh, for 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 what could be happening to us, and be alerted um, well before we are in pain or we fall down. So there are things that we can track in our own personal lives that can advise us. The computer and our phones can actually advise us to to take action before bad things happen. So that's an example in health. Um, Now, that's my world. You know, that's my field of research. Um, I study, I don't know if you were told, but I'm I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, and I study for over 30 years the evaporation of body water loss, electrolytically living with the evaporation of the water vapor and the atmosphere. So when you said that, the first thing I thought of, are you thinking that we're hoping that we have in our technology a method of detecting in our body what is happening so that the body can read out to us and the the program that we have available to us on our Internet or phone or whatever and give us a, 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 a... the alarm, the uh, education of what is happening to our body when we eat, sleep, exercise. You're hoping, is that what the technology that your your vision is, that we can yes. learn to let our bodies tell, read to us what how we're living for our health? Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, today to know our temperature... Can I tell you, Maylin? Yes, that will happen. That will happen. I know. We are both in agreement about this, Sharon. Because I studied evaporation for 30 years. And uh, when they came to me years ago, I had been studying the human skin organ and evaporation. And I determined years ago that the uh, melanoma would be out of control because they're not looking at the evaporation the way they should of body water loss and the skin. Then when they came to me from ophthalmology research to study the organ of the eye and evaporation, they had seen a documentary about me on PBS. So they said, would you study the eyes like you have studied the skin? So when I studied the eyes for about a year, I showed them what is happening with, they knew it, with the evaporation of the organ of the eye from birth. All of this begins at birth. When that baby yes. leaves that mother's womb and that baby enters into the, into the atmosphere's water vapor, we are the battery, the, the water vapor of the atmosphere, the water is our electrolytic, electrolytic rod. We begin to evaporate from moment to that moment, from that moment to death. Dehydration means to death. So what you're teaching me and where I can see your technology will lead you to is studying that evaporation is what is the clue. 
It's the clue of what is happening in all those organs of the body to evaporate. And, uh, Maylin, when the baby is born, there are no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints. Everybody is different. It's that evaporation influence from that moment on. Yes. Yes, and, and that is just one example of the tracking that computers can do so that if we actually knew how much evaporation was underway at, say, different points in a day, we'd have a much better idea to let somebody exactly. know, hey, you need to... Exactly. You need, and you, you know, need Mayan, a drink, it should, or you need to sit it down. It start from the moment that baby is born, from that moment. Yes. Because and, then you can track so, that baby with what's happening as an individual. Yes. Right. And, and no, your your healthy. vision is right. Your vision is perf- is right on. Yes. You see, we it's the computers can track this information and organize it so that we can actually draw our own conclusions about what we want to do with our day, with our health, what we want to learn how we want to act, we can be so much better organized to achieve our, our greatest dreams and objectives. Can I, cor- say, can I say a word there for you? Excuse me for always interrupting. Absolutely. The yes. word we can learn to discipline ourselves. Yes. With what we need to, learn, to do, learn. Because that yes. becomes our barometer to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and the, what you call discipline is what I would say is how we end up becoming connected to the information that we generate. And and when we're connected to the information we generate, it's easier to be disciplined because you're, you're in touch with it all the time. It's like the weather. It's like a temperature. If, if it's hot, you take off clothes. If it's cold, you put on clothes. This kind of discipline of taking care of yourself. Well, can, can I share something natural. with you? I've been in the health business, healthcare business for way, way over 30 years. And I yes. watch what's going on. I don't know how, what the word, if these people understand the word discipline. It's hard mm. work to discipline yourself with yes. what, you're, what you're emotionally wanting with uh, maybe not always common sense. Yes. So that's where I think your technology begins to give a barometer to people, whether they have to wear a coat that day or go to how they sleep or everything they do, to give them, even their emotions, to give them a guiding post with a barometer of their health issues and for individual health issues. But excuse me for interrupting you. Um, The technology that that you're uh, working with to discover, have you been able to get, get into that discovery with that, with that vision as yet? Um, yes, I'm, I'm working with the public health department in Solano County here in uh, California. And mm-hmm. um, we are looking at how we can um, just do a better job to help the general public um, keep healthier, mm-hmm. but it's we are so far from that that there's many many steps. So it's the beginning of a ma- marathon rather than anywhere being near the finish line. 
But that's what I think is really worthwhile, that the promise of where we could get to, where all of us are helping each other be healthier and happier, um, is such a wonderful possibility that we feel connected to our neighbors. We are no longer depressed because of being isolated. We are, We understand how we can contribute to the community and making it more resilient. We in California and you in Oregon also have the danger of earthquakes and wildfires. This has just been happening here. Um, how do we organize ourselves to to do a better job to prepare for this stuff and, and to recover more quickly from earthquakes and wildfires? The coordination of all of these kinds of activities could be so much better and what I talk about is we need to pay attention to big things that make a difference for us as humans and not just the little things about what color a website should be or, you know, how to get somebody to buy more Doritos. I like Doritos, but, you know, we, there are big things that we can use this technology for. We don't have to just focus on the small things that we've been looking at up to now, like buying more cars or um, uh, just the normal advertising. It shouldn't be just about advertising. It's about us as humans working with each other. How do we make our neighborhoods safer? How do we we recover from wildfires? How do we look after our children and help them be strong, resilient adults? These are big issues that, in fact, the kind of information that computers can organize for us can really help us. So when people, um, uh, you're looking at a technology to give people more, uh, I'll call it disciplined, to be able to turn to their computer and work with the program on their computer because they'd have to set that up. It wouldn't be set up for them until they decide that they want that on their computer or their phone. So you're saying yeah. that people need that that available to them to be able to have a, a, a healthier life, a safer life, and a better life um, yeah. to be able to and learn more about it and then, and then go out and communicate with their neighbors and friends and membership of people in wellness to what, and wellness doesn't mean just your, whether you get the common cold or the flu or a disease, wellness means your safety too. Yes. I, right. I want to clarify one thing. It's not about computers giving people this opportunity. It's about us as people deciding we want to use computers to, to, to take action and once you make that decision that you want to use these powerful new tools to, to take action, then we can learn what we need to learn in order to program and to design and to create systems that allow us to work together and play together better. I see. Malian, do you know we had a guest on here who's a scientist, PhD from NASA and NOAA, and he's a climatologist. He's into water research, into atmosphere. 
but he was educating us about Internet of Things. Are you Hmm. familiar with Internet of Things? Yes, 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 I am. Uh, Would you educate our audience about Internet of Things? Because for me, I'm almost wondering if that is something also, Internet of Things, that is about what you're talking about also. Yes. So the Internet of Things extends the Internet from just connecting people to people to allow uh, things to be connected to each other and to people. So one of the very common examples of the Internet of Things is, you know, your fridge has a chip that's connected to the Internet and the fridge is able to tell you, I've run out of milk. So that's a a simple use of a sensor a sensing device inside the fridge to tell you there's no milk in the fridge. So the Internet of Things very often is is used um, to refer to these sensing devices. I want to give an example that goes beyond the simple fridge. Imagine if when you put rice on the table in front of your children, um, you could actually show them where that rice was grown, the ship that it traveled on to get to you, the warehouse in which it was stored, and the truck that took it to the shop before it, you bought it and brought it home. The Internet of Things makes it possible to track the journey of a grain of rice from the field from which it was grown all the way to your table. And this can be enormous for the implication for food, for not wasting food, for making sure that food is safe and clean and hygienic. So, for example, if rice is stored too long at too high humidity, it could be mildewed. So you want to know, really, to, to be sure that your rice is safe, what was the journey of your rice before you put it in your mouth? And it's a wonderful way for children also to learn about geography and economics and transportation. So the Internet of Things makes it possible for us to actually know the origin stories of everything that we use. Maylin, would that also be a future of understanding the nutrition value of that rice also at that time? Oh, yes, yes. That's what I'm exactly. after. Is what is that nutrition for people to learn? If they're going to serve a meal and they're going to put something in their mouth, what are they? Yes. What, what is it? Yes. What is the value? So the, now the other one I was thinking of: if the food is not healthy, and maybe they should not be eating something that is not healthy. It doesn't mean because maybe there was something there like salmonella or whatever. Would that also, in time, give you that clue of what that is also, of food that could hurt your, harm your health? Um, A bacteria, a problem? Ideally, the senses would have detected it before it got all the way through to you. (laughs) Uh, That there would be senses that that would detect. I I believe that in time, that's going to be happening more. Yes. If the problems are that. That's the promise of the Internet of Things. I'm going to give you a particular visual 
to blow your mind about what the Internet of Things could be. If we look at wow, how many things are connected by the Internet of today, it's called IP version 4. <laughs> the Internet of today, suppose you put all the things that could be connected by the Internet into something the size of a beach ball. The next generation of the Internet of Things could, could be the size of the sun. Wow. Well, we can connect. Now we so only have a mo- moment things. left. We're out of time. What would you like yep. to say to your audience today? And how can they, can they find you on the Internet? Can they find your website? Yes, you can find our website at peoplecentered.net. And you can just People look up my name. People centered at dot net. People centered dot net. And, um, and you can reach me there. Um, I would like to leave this message. We are at the very, very beginning of a vast new frontier. And there is so much possibility to be both explored and found. It's, it's like, it's like the Lewis and Clark Trail in the United States, and you and Oregon really understand that. People set out on the Lewis and Clark Trail to get a better life for themselves and for their families. We are on the Lewis and Clark Trail of the digital frontier of the Internet. We are going to go from the beach ball to the sun. There is so much possibility. Everybody can do this and find a homestead for themselves and a life and build a better new life for themselves and their families. But you have to get out there and be disciplined and explore (laughs) and connect to other people. And be well. Learn about your health. Be well. And drink a lot of water. (laughs) Drink a lot of water, yes. Well, thank you so much. It was nice to have you on. You're a very special, dedicated person. I thank you for all you're doing. And, Maylene, you be well. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for your excellent thank you. question. You have a nice day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Audience, um, that was very fascinating. Did we learn today about what the future of at your fingertips is happening? So remember that you need to drink. There's five things you need to do. You need to drink. Breathe, learn how to breathe in and breathe out that water in the air. You need to drink eight to ten glasses of water. You need to sleep, you need exercise, and you need a good diet. I want to thank you for listening to us today. We're hoping we can build this membership of listeners up to this research and what we can all discover with a membership together. I want to thank you for listening, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.